Marilyn made. Be who you are. Do what you want. The podcast. Brought to you by the number one student athlete development program in the world. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another week of the Maryland Made Podcast. My name is Will Corris. I'm currently a grad student on the golf team, and I'll be hosting today. The Maryland Made Podcast provides timely, relevant, and practical information to empower student-athletes to explore their potentials and pursue their passions. We are excited to have Victoria Garrick-Brown join us this week. Victoria is a TED Talk speaker, former D1 volleyball player at USC, host of The Real Pod Podcast, and a content creator. She also created a nonprofit organization called The Hidden Opponent that raises awareness for student-athlete mental health. And we're very excited to have her on the podcast today and just kind of want to start off with how are you doing? There's been, you've kind of had a lot going on in your life since you were last at Maryland. You got married. You're doing really successful in your career. So just like checking in. How's everything going? Thanks, Will. Well, it's great to see you because we go way back. Um, so it was a no brainer to come have this conversation with you today. Um, and I'm honored to be here. I love the Maryland community. Uh, go Terps. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I got married, have a husband that's new. Um, you know, I would say I'm constantly amazed with how much there is in life to learn and how much room there is to grow. I mean, even when you think you've overcome something or you've um, lived something or you've graduated college or you've like, like, you just feel like, okay, maybe now I have the answers. There's always more to, to learn. And I don't say that in a stressful way. Um, I say it in an exciting way. Like I just still feel like I'm growing a lot as a person and I'm learning a lot about myself, even beyond sport, which I think is hopeful. That's really good to hear. I kind of agree with that sentiment, even just being in my fifth year of college, I've learned a lot that I thought I already knew that I really did not know at all. Um, So let's yeah. kind of go back. I want to talk about what it was like for you to walk on at USC at the volleyball team and actually become a starter? What was that experience like just being recruited to US, being recruited USC? And then when I mean, you walked on on one of the best teams in the country, which is something that is very, that's a great achievement. Yeah, I, I think entering USC, I was really excited, eager, coachable, energetic. Um, I kind of, was just very bubbly, optimistic person who I think maybe is like the optimal energy you'd want from like an incoming freshman on a team. Um, but quickly, you know, you realize that once you make it to cloud nine, there's a lot that you have to do to stay there. And it was just a really intense and stressful environment from the practice schedule to the intensity of practice, you know, the pressure of being the number one team in the country, um, dealing with my own imposter syndrome, navigating everything there is to navigate, you know, social life, school, your major, if you're going to keep your starting spot once you get it. And, you know, I think a lot of that really uh, went hand in hand with what was probably already like budding anxiety, just being a perfectionist out of high school. Um, you know, so while it was an incredible experience, it also led to um, some of the most intense struggles mentally that I've ever faced. I guess kind of adding on that with my own experience with mental health, like I came in as yeah. a freshman and kind of did a really good job putting on a mask, making everything seem like it was fine, even though it wasn't like 
then it took like talking to people from other teams and hearing another coach say like they encourage it to go see sports psychologists and to reach out. So like, how did you kind of take that step to reach out, start getting help? Yeah. You know, I never thought of myself as someone who would go to therapy. I've always been, you know, a go-getter, um, a problem solver, uh, and, the way that therapy and counseling and seeking help had been, you know, explained to me via media society was that it was for people who, you know, weren't leaders and who couldn't figure out their situations. So it, it was really something I never considered because I didn't want that to be me. I've, I've really bought into that stigma. Um, it wasn't until one of my teammates told me that she was seeing a therapist that I realized, oh, okay, like that's something that I could do because you're doing it. You're cool. You're on my team um, and you're struggling. So maybe that's something that I could do. So, you know, it was really having someone that I respected tell me that they went that helped me reach out and ask for help um, for the first time. Kind of adding on to that is like from a teammate's perspective, I think that's something we haven't as a society talked a lot about of how teammates can kind of help with mental health and help just their teammates creating a better culture. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you, like as a teammate, what do you think you could have done well to create more of a better culture? And then how could teammates help from preventing a lot of the stuff from getting to where it can go? It's such a good question. And it's also tough because you want to be a good teammate and you want to consider everyone else around you's emotions and their headspace, but then also you have to protect your own. And sometimes it can be a lot just to be going through what you're going through. So then to consider someone else, you know, it's tough. So for anyone who's trying to be a good teammate, but trying to keep their self in check, you know, I understand the struggle. Um, I would say at the end of the day, to, to try to build a human connection with each person on your team. You don't have to be best friends with everyone, but if you can make the effort to, you know, make sure you're connecting with everyone, you're making eye contact, you're asking them, how was your day? Um, you know, if you're in class together, you walk to class, even just shooting a text, you did awesome in the game or great job today in practice. I know coach was getting on you and you don't have to check in on all 15, 20 teammates every single day, but, you know, throughout the week, throughout the month, can you make sure that like there's just a little bit of connection between you and those people? I think that's going to go a long way for them. And I think it's going to go a long way for you. I love that advice. It kind of reminds me that we're all people first before student athletes and to always remember that that's coming. Like the relationship you have with the people is always more important than with the athlete. Totally. And how, how, what was that like for you, uh, on the golf team? Because it's an individual sport, but college is the only place you're ever on a team of golfers. It's been a really interesting adjustment, especially since I played a bunch of team sports growing up. And it's been a struggle I've had of like, I've missed that kind of team camaraderie because in golf, even though we all are on the same team, we're constantly competing against each other practice it's like you're going out you're playing like a mini golf tournament to decide who's actually going to be traveling and half the team doesn't travel to golf tournaments so that becomes really competitive and a lot of golfers don't have that team kind of background coming from high school so it's been a challenge but then there's also been like beautiful moments where like the team culture kind of comes together there's been team events where we 
are really good. So it's been kind of just cool to still have that team aspect in golf, even though it's been a challenge because there's so much constant competition going along with each other. I think that's been like it's you want to play, you want your teammates to do play, but like if you're being honest with yourself, you kind of want to do a little bit better than your teammates because just, yeah. we all have that ego. And I think that's just a, a constant struggle you have. That's so fascinating to think about. I think especially the component of not everyone's coming from a team background. Like my brother golfed, but he didn't play different sports in high school. Like you said that you did. So, you know, it's like you are coming from this. Oh, I know what it was like to be on the basketball team or the football team or, you know, whatever baseball team. But there are guys and athletes in general who just like tennis players who don't even have they don't know what it's like to be in a team group chat or have a team culture, let alone you guys are trying to facilitate team, but then you're right. Half of the people who are on the team don't even get to come to the competition. So it's tough. Yeah, that's been, we've got a new coach this year and he's had a bunch of team drills you do during practice to like help facilitate kind of that teamwork and like working together. And it's been cool to kind of see, cause I've spoken about a lot of my team, like how cool it is to like actually be on a team where it's like, it's just, it's different in golf. And it's, they finally wanted to see like what I was talking about of like just right. a bunch of people coming together to try to achieve a goal. Right. Yes. I want to move on to your senior year. I actually rewatched your talk at Maryland to prepare for this. And there was one thing you talked about kind of where you first learned about the growth first fixed mindset and then how you dealt with a position battle you had in your senior year, which is, I mean, if you're going your senior year, you've had a really good career. You're probably not expecting to have to, earn your job all over again and you dealt with that in a very positive and healthy way and just like what was that experience like how were you able to mature over time to be able to handle that way and what did you learn from it well it it ended up being positive I would say I definitely got caught in the anxious thinking and the spiral for sure during double days um you know I just remember I remember I remember great ways I coped with it. And then I remember not so great ways I coped with it, you know, for the not so great ways. I mean, I remember literally being so panicked that I went home and I was like, literally Googling the rosters around the country because I was thinking, okay, there's like, if I get beat out, like I'm going to red shirt because I don't want my senior season to not be playing. Like, where would I go? Like in double days, I lost so much focus and was spiraling so hard. I was looking up the rosters of other teams. I don't want to play anywhere else. Like I played at USC for three years. So that was maybe on the bad days. I'd say on the good days, I was able to walk into the locker room and journal what's in my control. What's not in my control. What's not in my control, how my competition plays, where I am in practice, what my teammates say to me, what my coaches say about me, who's serving at me, what is in my control, my attitude when I walk into the gym, how I handle each situation brought my way, how I treat my competition, you know, so I had to really gear up and do a lot of work um, to stay mentally uh, positive during that time, um, for sure. Is the key kind of in that, because this is, I'm kind of thinking about my own, like, career and I've was a freshman who never played and then I'm upperclassman I played every single golf tournament for the last two and a half years and if I'm being honest with myself like every single day I go to practice like there's still that like oh I gotta play so good I can't have a bad day like I don't want to lose my job and like is the key to like making sure that stuff stays in check is like actually doing the work of what you kind of just said because it's like it's stuff that's easy to say but it's sometimes really hard to actually do in the heat of the moment Totally. And I relate to that, Will, because 
I mean, you, the environment of college sports doesn't lend itself to comfort. It doesn't lend itself to being content. If you feel content and you feel comfortable, you're doing something wrong. If you're playing division one athletics, right? So I think there's always that side of it, the edge in our mind. That's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can never get comfortable. We can never get content. But then that kind of drives you mad because then you're not able to really soak in the moments where you are doing the thing that you've worked so hard to do, which is play. You know, I think, how do you, your question, sorry. It was like, how do you uh, deal with that? Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like it, it all comes down to, to confidence and do you believe in yourself? And I think, you know, confidence can come from a few places. It can come from lived experience. So being able to say, I've played this team or I've got, I've shot low on this course before, like I, you know, there's confidence, but it's also the things you tell yourself because if you're showing up thinking, oh, they really want this freshman to work out and they're waiting for me to choke so that they can sub this guy in, like everything you say carries so much weight. And so I think entering a position battle, anything like that, at the end of the day, you have to know that no matter what happens, like you're going to be okay. If you get benched, you're going to be okay. Your life will move on. You will find a way to get through it. You will be okay. Because if you can enter a position battle, knowing that no matter what happens, it'll be okay. Maybe it's not the best thing ever. It's not amazing, but you will survive. Then there's just a little less weight on your back when you tee up on the first hole, right? Because you're like, my life is not at stake in this moment. And I think it's really um, having that belief and that knowing that on the other side of it, you're going to get through it, I think can relieve a lot of the anxiety in the the battle. I think that is incredible advice. And it's kind of reminding me of in a golf tournament I played in earlier this year, I got to the golf course and I'm like, I hated the golf course. There was trouble on a lot of the tee shots. And I like to see the trouble and think about how I'm not going to do that. And I would tell myself in a couple of hard tee shots, like no matter what happens, I still love myself. And it freed me up to actually just like go up, hit the shot and I actually played good in the tournament. And just being mindful of the words you're telling to yourself and how much power that actually kind of has over your actions and your confidence and just being mindful and aware of that. I love that so much. That's, that's a great example. It's just, the, it's a constant battle of how like I've struggled I'm kind of interested in your take of this is I kind of know what I need to do to like mentally be good at my sport, but it requires a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of focus. And it's really easy just like to like kind of not choose to take care of that stuff. But I know it's really important to be successful at my sport. It's like, what advice would you have to like be able to actively continue to do what you need to do when it comes to the mental side? Yeah. It's funny because doesn't it feel like it takes so much effort? So I'm just plugging in my computer. It takes so much effort to get to this place, like so much, but then it could be this to lose it all, you know? And so it's like, you don't want to for a second let up, but it's, it doesn't feel fair that you can like put so much work in and then it can quickly go away. But actually I'll, I'll check myself right there because I do think there's something to be said about like towards my senior year, I still dealt with performance anxiety for sure. But I had had four years of reps in me that my worst playing was still far better 
than my worst playing as a freshman. You know what I'm saying? Like your, your worst round of golf right now is still a lot better than a lot of people's golf. And so I think, you know, if you're having those weeks or there's those times where like, it does feel exhausting and there's so much required of you to output and you just don't have it in you. Like, I think just trying to be as good as you can be when it doesn't feel great. Um, my mentor, Nicole Davis always used to tell me like, how good can you be when it doesn't feel good to be you? And so if you're showing up to a game and you're just in a funk, you, you're not, you don't, you feel it's a little bit off. It's like, okay, how good can I be when things are off? How good can I be when I'm not a hundred percent energy and view it as that. So now you're in a game that you actually have a chance in, because if you're showing up with only 50% in your tank and you're just beating yourself up for not being at a hundred, I mean, there's no point in that. Like you can't get to a hundred. You only have 50% energy. Like that's a situation. Um, so if you can accept, okay, I'm at 50 today, how good can my 50 be? Um, I think it, it then is going to be a better experience and a, a more exciting challenge as an athlete. And we love challenges. I like that a lot. Cause it's kind of just reframing it into an opportunity to like do something instead of a bad thing. Totally. Um, next kind of topic I want to hit on. I think it's something every single student athlete and just people in general struggle with is how did you balance sports, school, your social life. I've been told by many people who are really smart that in college, you can only do two of those things well, but the older I've gotten and being a kid that went all in on school and sports for a year or two, I've realized that like you do need all three to be a healthy, successful human being. And like, how do you manage that and give the time and energy into all three just to be a, a successful, like healthy human? So this is hard, I think, for athletes to hear, especially because we want to win and we want to be the best. And if someone tells us we can't do something, that's like our favorite thing to hear because we want to go do it. But when it comes to school, social life and sports, I mean, it is physically impossible to be outstanding in every arena and have good mental health, um, you know, and so I think when you start like at the beginning in the morning of your day, you have to tell yourself like it is going to be impossible to be perfect at everything. So if I can cut myself some slack, um, then maybe I can just enjoy the process a little bit more. You know, I won't be so hard on myself when I don't get a straight A, the best statistics on my team, and I'm the most popular kid in school. Like it is literally impossible to do all those things. So I think it's it's about lowering your own standards for yourself. Um, not because you're not great and you don't think you have high potential, but because you're being realistic and, and you have to just know that sometimes you're not going to get the best test grade, but you're going to have an awesome game. And then maybe next week, it's not going to be your best practice, but you're going to ace the quiz. And then you're going to go to your friend's birthday party, but forget to send that email. Like that's life. And I think the less we beat ourselves up about it and we realize that we're human and to be human means to be imperfect it's a little bit easier to try to balance it all. It's very good advice and it's very hard to do. <laughs> I, when you started bringing up the school example, I'm thinking of like, I somehow managed to get a 4.0 in four years of college and the amount of unnecessary stress that caused me of like, 
over something that I'm thinking about, like, okay, did I really need to like stress over that little test? Like if I got to be like, my life would be just the same as it is now. <laughs> and it's like, it, you don't have to be perfect 24 seven. I think we live in a world where like, you want to portray that and it's just never going to happen and it's never going to be possible. It's like one of the things following you I like the most is just like on social media, you're like the most vulnerable person. You just put it all out there, which oh, is just, it's not our culture, but it it's a better culture when it is that way. Thanks. I appreciate that. And, you know, like getting a 4.0 is freaking incredible. It's insane, you know, but it is healthy to ask yourself like at what cost. And then like when the next thing comes up in your life, you can assess like, you know, what you've learned from each experience. It's kind of stick with the sports thing for one more thing is I believe like coaches play a big role in a lot of this mental health and anxiety and depression stuff. What advice would you have for coaches to create a culture within their team where mental health is actually like a strength of their team instead of being viewed as a weakness? I think that that would be the gold standard is to integrate the conversation on mental health and mental health practices and mindset training so that it's just as a part of the culture, as the physical side of the game is, you know, I think probably the biggest, best, most important way to do that is, is probably like language is helping your athletes become more aware of their thoughts. Like about general anxieties, you know, if, if a coach could walk the team through it, Hey, everyone today, like, um, I want each person to choose one thing that's in their control that they're going to focus on, or even reminding players like, Hey, like if you have a question, you have a thought about your performance, the team come talk to me, let's talk because I don't want you guys to create these scenarios in your head because we don't have an open relationship. And then, you know, two people are feeling a one type of way and a conversation could have fixed it. So, you know, I think open communication, I think talking about, um, these things more often and also like leading your players through it. When I was 18 years old, I had no idea how to do any of this. What's in my control. I, I had no idea. I wouldn't even be able to give you the right answer. So I think also educating and teaching these young athletes, um, about this side of the game. I agree with a lot of that. And like, I want to get into coaching one day. It's always been kind of a passion of mine. And I've always viewed a lot of the stuff I've learned, like why, like, why wouldn't you want to proactively take care of a lot of the stuff with mental health? It's just sports performance. It's like getting better at lifting weights. It's going to benefit your team. And I think it's just something we're still missing in a lot of sports right now. Right. Oh, you're going to be a great coach. <laughs> we'll what see. level do you want to coach? I want to get into college coaching one day. It's just something cool. that I've been passionate about for a while. Cool. <clears throat> kind of transition now, talking a little bit about life after sport. Um, it's something we all have to deal with. I'm coming up on having to deal with that in a couple of months if I don't end up playing professional golf. So like, what has that transition been like for you? Not being able to play volleyball every single day, not being a, an athlete, which is most of our identities for our entire life. How's that transition been like? What have you think you've done well? What have you learned about yourself through that experience? Um, such good questions. This cannot be your first podcast hosting experience. You're really good at this. Well, um, I would say I have learned, what have I learned about myself? Um, I 
I've learned so much, you know, I think maybe the biggest thing is that I like things to be very definitive. I like things to be very black and white. And I think growing up, it was easy to be like, okay, I'm a volleyball player. I am a student. I, you know, I'm a journalism major. I would identify, I go to USC. I would identify with these very like definitive things. And I think when you get out of you know, the schooling system and you're working and you're just in the world, like things are not always black and white. You don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. You don't know how long you can have something in your life. And I think living in the gray area has been really hard for me. I've loved the challenge of trying to embrace gray area and realize that life is gray area. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned. Um, And then as far as identity, you know, our identity is going to change time and time again. Actually, let me get more specific. The things that we do are going to change throughout our life. I don't play volleyball every day anymore. Um, And I'm sure in like four or five years, I'll be a mom. You know, it's like we're always going to have different things that we do in our life that are going to shape how we think about ourselves. But it's about really tapping into the core of like, who the essence of you is because what you do will always change. And if you're so tied to what you're doing, I think that's when the ship gets rocked a little bit. Um, I recognize that I played volleyball. I still am driven, coachable, hardworking, competitive. I still am all those things. I just don't apply it to the sport anymore. Just kind of touch on that. How have you leveraged all the skills you've learned from playing a sport into like having a successful career? You know, I think towards my senior year, especially was when I was really beginning to kind of capitalize on um, my persona as a college athlete. And I think as far as like leveraging it, you know, playing volleyball on one of those popular college volleyball teams was helpful. Um, When I started making YouTube vlogs, people were interested in that. Um, You know, I think I kind of just listened to the responses when I gave my TED talk as a sophomore, I didn't have any plans of what that was going to become, but I had so many people reach out to me that I listened to that. Wow. There's a lot of people who relate. There's a lot of people who want to hear more about this. What more can I share? And so, you know, I really feel blessed that I fell into what I do very naturally, but certainly there was a lot of strategy, a lot of wheels turning behind the scenes to properly capitalize and leverage um, my name, image, and likeness. I couldn't monetize it like the big money makers these days, but, um, you know, I, I still think I, uh, definitely saw the opportunity and I took advantage of it once I realized it was there. Um, one more kind of question on this is, are you still able to keep volleyball in your life in some way or just keep sports in your life? Because like it's sports are such a big part of athletes life and you don't want it just to end once you get done in college. You know, I haven't been able to in the way that I want. Um, I'm literally in the process of uh, rallying local, like former UCLA, USC girls in the area in LA to kind of create like a makeshift open gym because I really miss playing. Um, And it's just not that easy, I think, for indoor volleyball players to keep playing because you need six people on a side, you need an indoor space, you need a net, you need a court, you need balls. Um, If I played beach volleyball, that would certainly be really easy. If I played tennis, 
you know, that's easy. Could, could, you know, you only need like one other person to play tennis. You can rent a, like, I just feel, and maybe I'm making excuses, but it's hard to get 12 people to play competitive volleyball. Um, so, you know, and, and I've been thinking maybe I should get more into beach volleyball. It is a different sport for me. I have way more fun playing indoor, but maybe I should just get into beach volleyball a little bit more, but that's definitely one of my goals is to get sport back into my life because I miss it. That's something it's weird to say this, but since I'm still playing a division one sport, I miss every sport I played my entire life. That's not golf so much. And when I get the opportunity to even like throw football around, I'm the happiest person in the world. I think we should all strive to like keep that stuff in our life because it does bring a lot of happiness and joy. Yeah. And you know what, Will, isn't it funny that you could go throw a football with your friend and like, probably like if they say, Will, like throw it into this trash can, like you can probably do it and you don't really think too hard about it. But then when you go play the sport that you've put every single hour into since you were a baby and they say, land the ball in the green, it's like, oh, and you have all these thoughts coming. Like I remember one time in college when we went bowling and I just grabbed the bowling ball and I was like, let's go. And there's no bumpers. And I was like getting strikes. And I was just, I was just owning it. And I wasn't thinking about it. Meanwhile, I know if I was a bowler and that was what I did, that I'd be so mental about, I can't hit the bunker. And how am I holding my fingers in the slots? And how is it rolling? Like, you know, so I think also playing other sports reminds you of the joy of sport and that maybe you can bring that back into the, your, the one that you're really good at. I have that conversation with myself a couple of days a week. <laughs> that's golf it can just be very very hard when i'm like throwing a football as easy as can be like playing quarterbacks not hard you just react do it no thought easy golf it's like every single day there's a new thing going on in my head to try to figure out this this and but just hit the golf ball you have everything you need inside of you right <clears throat> um kind of just to move a little bit on to career development we've kind of touched on this but I'm a big believer in having a career where you're very passionate about what you do and you're able to help other people and you're <clears throat> making a difference in the world. And then the money side hopefully comes with that and is good. And I feel like you have a job where like you're very passionate about what you do and you're making a difference in people's lives every single day. How have you kind of been able to take your passions and like turn it into a career? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm definitely grateful for every little thing that happened that kind of led me to this career path because I didn't go to college planning to do this. So I think if I could assess my career path and then give advice to people who are wanting to find something they're passionate about, like, I think really listening to your heart and your interests and like, what really lights your soul on fire. And like, for me, I realized, um, I had this ability to be super freaking blunt and straightforward about the things that were taboo that people didn't want to talk about. And so I kind of harnessed that as one of my superpowers of like, okay, I'm just going to talk about this and it might make people uncomfortable. Um, and that might make them think a certain way about me, but like, I really just feel so passionately about bringing these to the surface. So I leaned into that. And then along with that came like, what are the different ways I can harness my passion for destigmatizing these issues? Well, I can make a video and I love making videos and I love being in front of the camera and I'm really creative. 
And I'm, I'm a really good writer. I know how to write a great caption on Instagram. So, you know, it's like, I, I just kept leaning into the, the things that I was good at and the things that I really liked. Um, and so I think for anyone who's wondering what they want to do, I think just get, get high level. Like maybe you don't know the exact thing. Do you like being around people? Yes or no. There's a, there's your first big question. Do you like being around people? If the answer is yes. Awesome. Let's look only at careers where you're going to be talking to people, involved with people, um, interacting with other people. Maybe your answer was no. Cool. Then we're looking at jobs where you can maybe work from home. You can be an independent contractor. You're not going to need others. Like, I think you, you can ask yourself, do I want to be outside? Do I want to be inside? Do I want, um, to work commission and be motivated by each paycheck or do I want to have a stable salary? Like, so I think just some high level guiding questions, sit down with yourself, journal, um, and then get started and you never know how it's going to develop. You know, I started heavily as a public speaker. Um, I was not on TikTok. I didn't have a big social media following. And then slowly that part of my career and my business grew. And I realized, wait, I kind of like this more than I do traveling around the country and speaking. And I can still do the same thing. So, you know, over time, what you do is going to change, but you kind of have to get started and start following those first inklings you get. I think that's very good advice. And I just think it's cool that you've been able to kind of just take what you're passionate and interested about and like turn it into a successful career in a very way that like you're an influencer and that's not something you probably thought you were going to be doing when you were in college. Right. right. Trying to we're going to do, I got some questions from students I sent in um, and do that and then we can close. So first one, from one of my teammates, Thomas Eubanks. He's a big fan of Max. Loves his TikTok. Love that. Um, well, I'm happy to answer Max questions. <laughs> so he's what is the best part about marriage? Oh, that's cute. Um, I think the best part about marriage is knowing that you have like a permanent buddy with you, no matter what. And I just feel that in my bones now that I'm married, like even if I'm driving and I'm out somewhere else and I'm doing something, I just know like I'm tethered to this other person. And it's kind of like marriage is like the draft and you get one pick and it's like, who are you picking for your team for life? And I feel really good about my pick. <laughs> I think you did a good job from everything I've seen. Max seems like the man. Oh, thanks. We got one. What are the best mindful eating habits to create a better relationship with food? That's a great question. I would say eat sitting down, eat without distractions and eat slowly. I think those are three good starting tips. You know, the next time you're hungry, you grab your food, sit down, put your phone away, computer TV off, and just slowly enjoy the food that you're eating. How does it taste? How does it feel when you eat it? Are you full? Are you still hungry? I think those three things um, are a really good starting step. Um, how has Kobe Bryant impacted your life and what have you learned from Kobe? Um, Kobe has tremendously impacted my life. I would say what I've learned from him is that you can still be a fierce competitor and icon even if you are dealing with something like mental health. Um, you know, I think when we think of Kobe, we think of mama mentality and 
I'll never forget how he explained to me that Mamba mentality is about identifying weaknesses to become your best self. And if you're able to identify depression, anxiety, and eating disorder, something like that, and then you put the time in to work on it, like that is Mamba mentality um, because you're trying to improve all aspects of, of yourself. So I would say that's definitely one of the most powerful takeaways. Um, last question. What advice would you give to your freshman self before you entered college based on everything you've learned now? Um, this is so tough because I wouldn't want to change anything because everything led me here. Um, but if I could give my freshman self a piece of advice, um, I, I mean, I wish I could say have a bit more fun. I think similar to our earlier conversation, Will, about feeling like everything has to be perfect. Like, I, I, I wish there were some times I just w- had a bit more fun. And I know that I tried the hardest that I could in the moment. And I had people tell me, have more fun. And now I am that person saying to other athletes, have fun. It's just a constant cycle. Um, so I wish I could have just enjoyed a few more games. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the podcast. You've, in my five years at Maryland, you've definitely impacted our community and campus a lot. I always like, like when I see like, like one of your Instagram posts and like see some people from Maryland that liked it too. So you've definitely impacted Maryland a lot. You've started a conversation around mental health and just thank you so much for everything you're doing for our school and just for student athletes in general. Last thing, for those of you who aren't following you currently, where can they get in contact with you? Where can they follow you on social media? Thanks so much, Will. Um, They can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Victoria Brown. And my podcast is called Real Pod. Um, And those are the three best places. And then you'll find everything else. Eric, thank you so much for joining. Of course. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 